uh, Jamie was, uh, you know, he was coming at me a little bit and said, and not that's maybe an overstatement, but he said, if Shire was coaching your son, wouldn't you want him to react just like that? And I was like, well, I mean, I'd want him to tend to my son in the moment, but you know, and make sure that he's okay. But no, I don't need some monologue about ending one of college athletics, you know, more exciting traditions, given that 99% of these things go off without a hitch. Um, do it. Does that mean that logistically you can't make it better? No, of course not. But I think the overreaction this week has been, uh, you know, pretty entertaining. In fact, 704 number says, I'm a big Duke fan, but Kyle Filipowski is soft. If he would have played in the old Duke versus Carolina battles, he would have come out in a wheelchair and a full body cast after the games. It's a Duke fan on the text line right there. So uh, scattered opinions, to say the least. And for what is likely going to be the last time this week, even though, you know, Chip Patterson's on tomorrow, so I can't promise that. I can't promise that. Let's bring in Luke DeCock of the Raleigh News and Observer. I'm sure he's got some thoughts on this. What's going on, brother? How are you? I'm good, Kyle. I'm good. Yeah, uh, nice to see that Kyle Filipowski was able to rise above last night. <laughs> just just take it. I mean, just go go ahead. I mean, what, what are your, this has been a whole week full of, you know, referendums yeah. and think pieces on court storming. I mean, I, th- I think in, in the end, what you get down to um, is you, ju- you just said something that, that I, I think is, is an important thing not to overlook, which is 99% of the time these things go off without a hitch. We can't have the 1%. You know, Filipowski, he bumped knees, it hurts, but he's fine. Caitlin Clark gets trampled. Uh, you know, you, you've seen this at concerts. You've seen this in soccer stadiums where you have crushes of, of people and people die. Um, an athlete is going to get hurt. The direction of a team season is going to change. There's a high school kid who had his back broken or, uh, in a court storming and, and, and was never able to, to, to you know, had, had developmental disabilities for the rest of his life. And there has to be a better way to do it. I don't necessarily think you have to get rid of it entirely. Um, I think they've had, you know, even with Will Prevett getting knocked out of his wheelchair and rescued by C.J. Leslie, uh, they've had better success at NC State where they have full-time security in the building and a staff that knows what they're doing, not a bunch of part-time contractors um, you know, who may have good leadership but, but aren't, don't do that as a job. And um, you know, that at NC State, they funnel the kids to certain entrances to the floor. They create a cordon to protect the visiting team. Um, you know, they create a window to get people off the floor. It, it's fine. It, it, you see it happen in football. There's more space on the field. It's easier for players to evade. Um, but you, you've got to find a way to separate the fans from the players. You know, we don't have people storming on stage at the end of rock concerts to go hug Mick Jagger. We don't have people, you know, running onto NBA floors because not only would you get tackled and tased, you'd spend the night in jail. Um, there's a happy medium here, but it, it requires spending money on security, on staff, on training on being prepared, being ready, on educating fans to say, hey, you know, you have certain exits that you're going to be able to enter the floor. Um, if you try to jump out of the football stands at Syracuse and, and maybe break your ankle, um, we're going to throw you up against the wall. You know, we, there are ways we want you to do this in an orderly fashion. That's where we've got to get to, because the alternative is a player gets badly injured, and luckily Filipowski wasn't, or a, a fan gets killed, and then we spend a lot of time saying, well, why didn't we do something about it? So we, we, this, there's no reason this has to stop. In a way, it can't stop because if 2,000 students want to get on the floor, it doesn't matter how many security you have to stop them. But we have to be prepared, and we have to have plans in place. We have to spend money on security um, and, and make sure that this is done in a, in a manner that's safe, not only for the people on the floor, but for the fans. Because any sort of this is a mob action, and any sort of mob action is inherently dangerous and, and needs to be done in a, in a manner that's not 
going to endanger life and limb. So yeah, I, yes. I think there is a happy medium. I, I'm with you on there. that. I, I am team logistics and planning. I'm fine with all of that. I just refuse to go so far as Jay Billis wanting to throw people in the, in the, in the slammer. For, for rushing the court. So let's do this. I want to play something for you. Speaking of college basketball and get your reaction to it. You've probably seen it by now, but for those who haven't heard it, and it's not even the, the clip in its entirety, but last night, Scott Van Pelt on the 11 a.m. 11 p.m. Sports Center, he does his one big thing segment. And last night's one big thing, for those that didn't see it, was about the net ratings in college basketball and specifically how the Big 12 is kind of gaming the system and, uh, you know, there was a nice little nugget in here about the ACC. I want to play this. It's about 90 seconds long, and I want to get your reaction. Check this out. Comments from Clemson basketball coach Brad Brownell point out another interesting reason why. They have effectively manipulated those net rankings in a way which benefits them significantly. On WCCP Radio, Brownell pointed out how the out-of-conference scheduling of the Big 12 helps ensure higher net rankings so that once they play in-conference games, everybody benefits because you only have head-to-head -head games with highly regarded teams. Regarding the out-of-conference, Brownell said, quote, they're playing 300-level teams and winning by 40 and 50 points to increase their offensive and defensive efficiency numbers, which is a big part of the net tool. Now, I need to interject, that's not entirely correct. The quality of the opponent is taken into account. Once again, back to the Brownell quote. He added, our league has zero teams in the top 50 of the net that have a non-conference schedule of 250 or higher. The Big 12 has six teams. I appreciated Coach being willing to name names, and Brownell did, specifically pointing out Cincinnati and Iowa State as examples of out-of-conference schedules that were, to use his word, awful. Now, that's his opinion. So I looked. It's hard to argue it's not a fact. Brownell mentioned in noting the ACC is 9-3 and three against the mighty Big 12 in head-to-head -head games this year. That includes Clemson's win over TCU. And again, I quote Brownell, we played TCU, beat TCU. TCU's doing well in the Big 12. And I remember preparing for the TCU game and telling my staff, look who they played. They haven't played anybody. Every game's Abilene Christian and Houston Baptist. We're getting ready to play them. We've already played a really hard schedule, but look at their net. There you go. Luke DeCock, your reaction to all that, sir? I'm going to tell you a little story about the ACC in 2019. NC State accidentally wasn't what they're trying to do. Vanderbilt was terrible. UNC Asheville was terrible. Mount St. Mary's was terrible. These were all NCAA tournament teams the previous year, I think. Maybe not Bandy, but teams that had been good mid-majors in an SEC team. Uh, NC State beat them, beat the pants off those teams, beat them by 30, 35, 50 in one case. Went down and won at Auburn, a future Final Four team. Did okay in the ACC, had a very good net. Ended up having the best net of any team left out of the, AC, of the NCAA tournament. Was left out because their non-conference strength of schedule wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. The ACC got three number one seeds that year. You want to know why the ACC got three number one seeds that year? Because NC State played a terrible non-conference schedule, beat the pants off those teams, had a high net rating, and everybody else in the ACC benefited. Mm -hmm. There are obviously other factors, but that's how it works. And here's the thing people don't understand. If you actually crunch the numbers and you actually look at how efficiency in these things work and how they become predictive, it's just as hard to beat a bad team by 50 as it is to beat a good team by five. Scoring margin does matter. matter. And you can say, well, we don't want them running up the score or leaving the starters in. That's fine. That's a choice every coach gets to make. In the end, the final score has predictive value. 
And if the Big 12 went and beat up on a bunch of bad teams by a lot, that's still a sign that those are strong teams. It is hard to beat a bad team by a lot of points. You don't think so because you see teams lose by a lot, but the reality is you can tell how good a team is by how much they beat bad teams by. It's not just winning and losing. That, that margin of victory matters. So did the Big 12 game the system? No. The system is pumping out what it's supposed to pump out. If the Big 12 beats up on a bunch of bad teams, that actually means that those teams are probably pretty good. And if the ACC wanted a better net rating for its team, it should win its the game is against bad teams by more and win good games against good teams. Well, well, ACC did not win a ton of games against good teams in non-conference. It avoided bad losses, well, hold on, hold but on. it also didn't go run around blowing people out. But so, no, no, I, I hear you. The system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And if you, if you look at, if you compare conferences' net rankings with their Ken Palm efficiency averages, whatever, and a guy, I retweeted this this afternoon, you can go look at it on Twitter, the Big 12 is not gaining the system. The Missouri Valley Conference has somehow gained the system. You know who's second to last in terms of how their net is relative to how good their teams actually are? The SEC. So I, I think people just, the system is actually working as design. This is a feature, not a bug. And if you want a better net rating, if you look at the, the games the ACC has won and lost, especially in non-conference, go win more games and win them by more. Doctor, heal thyself. Brad Brownell loves to whine about this stuff. Because his team doesn't reflect well in this. And guess what? That's a reflection on his team, not the system. Yeah, I, I hear you, but I still think there's an argument that the system sucks, A, and B, when you point out that, okay, maybe they're not gaming, gaming the system, they're not doing this. The ACC is still 9-3 and three against that perceived best conference in America. So e even if you believe that the system is spitting out what it's supposed to, aren't we then supposed to still heavily factor in that the ACC, a conference that is seemingly getting the short end of the stick by many of the national bracketology pundits, they've been whooping up on, on the perceived best conference in the country. Every, so every, every game counts. You can't just pick and choose the games between the ACC and Big 12. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, yeah, there, no, there's, you are. You say the ACC is 9-3 and three against the Big 12, so the ACC must be better. No, no, I'm That's asking not how, how it works. But it, it, it's not how it game. works, but how does it not seemingly get factored in at all? Because you're saying, well, it's, it's just as easy to be the bad team by 40 as it is to beat a good team by five. I don't necessarily agree with that logic, so I don't think that's a given, really. I don't think it's just as hard to beat Houston Baptist I mean, by 40. That's, that's how efficiency ratings work. That's how, that's how they become predictive. Like, you can... You can argue with it, but that's like arguing with the weather. No, it's not. It's like that's, 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 like, that's, that's like saying that's the science when the science isn't always settled. Just because there's some math in there doesn't mean it's the definitive math. It just means it's a version of the math that they're using. I mean, that, this is this is a, it, this is these are this is this is the way it is. You know, like this is this is how efficiency works in basketball. This is how they use the set betting line. Okay, no, I hear you. Look, I, I, don't want, I don't want to belabor the point because there's more I want to talk about with you. Right? We got Luke DeCock with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So Carolina State on Saturday. That's a big one. It's obviously important. It always is. Um, but before we even get to that game, report out yesterday from your, uh, your, your colleague there, Andrew Carter, that um, UNC's telling the SEC and Big Ten that they and NC State are a package deal in, in a potential next round of realignment. What do you think of that? I mean, the, the, the Board of Governors voted today that they're going to control this, that they're going to have their finger on any future realignment. So this is the way of the world. The politicians have decided that this is going to be their decision. Um, it's not going to be up to the chancellors and athletic directors. I think if you're charitable about it, you could say it's hard to imagine they can make any worse decisions. Um, but I think that's probably more of a function of 
UNC acknowledging the political realities. They've got an interim chancellor who came from the Board of Governors. Uh, we know who's calling the shots here. So I think, you know, if you want to look at it in the most, uh, in the way is UNC understands that they no longer have the power to make these decisions and that the people who are making the decisions are not going to let them do it on their own. Okay, I got you. So Carolina State Saturday, um, I, I just it's the next iteration of this rivalry game. We, we know who needs it more, but what does it look like? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I mean, NC, NC State clearly needs it more. Um, it's, it's just there's, there's such a gap right now between the two programs, and I don't think NC State is a, is a bad team. I mean, I, the thing that gets lost in all this discussion about the ACC is there are probably seven teams in the ACC that I would not want to play in Washington. Like, I don't want to see State. I don't want to see Syracuse. I don't want to see Clemson. Uh, you know, I don't want to see Pitt. If, I, if I'm a top-four seed, I don't want to see any of those teams. Um, you know, the, and, and just because the, 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 the hardcore pen and paper analysis indicates that these teams haven't performed up to perhaps their potential, it uh, doesn't mean they can't on any given night. Um, so that's, I think, when you look at NC State, this is a dangerous team, a team that did not fire against Florida State, did not come out and play well, um, certainly will be motivated in Chapel Hill, um, but just an uphill battle. The way that UNC is playing right now, I, I don't think that they're in top gear. Uh, I think they're probably uh, playing at somewhat less than full speed, but they, but they're, they don't have to. Um, it's a really good team with a lot of weapons, a lot of ways to beat you. Um, and then, you know, they've got a guy, they've got the best player in the league who can go out and score 40 and, and do it on a night where they need it. Um, so I, it's just, I think it's a really tough ask for NC State. Um, you know, but they should be motivated after the way they played in Tallahassee, and they should be motivated in a rivalry game. So if you don't get NC State's best here, something is wrong. Um, and NC State's best is, is potentially good enough to beat UNC, and, and that's, I think, what we've seen in the ACC with Pitt winning at Duke and, and Syracuse blowing out State in, at Syracuse, and Syracuse beating UNC at Syracuse, and, and Clemson winning in Chapel Hill. Is, is Even the good teams have to be at their best to beat some of these other teams, and some of these other teams on any given night can be pretty good. So I think that's what NC State has to hope. I, I think that's a lot to ask, uh, and I think Carolina is going to be motivated as well to finish the season strong. But uh, that, that's kind of – it's a tough ask for the Wolfpack here. They're really going to have to bring it. Good-spirited discussion, my man. I truly appreciate you as always. I, re, I mean that. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Kyle. Take care, bud.